I've got Diane Pilkington here. Diane, thank you so much for coming on the Wheelie Stager podcast. Lovely to have you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we finally got the I opportunity know. to do this. We've been, it's been in the pipeline for a while, hasn't it? And um, things have been, yeah. uh, you know, a um, bit hectic and, you know, we've uh, life, life life has been happening. Um, but no, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. And I just wanted to start um start at the beginning as they say um last time i saw you you had not long been touring the, the uk with a brand new disney musical of all things bed knobs and broomsticks how was that for you oh my goodness i mean where to start it's it was amazing it was absolutely amazing we've actually um only just finished and it was a nine month tour and a lot of work um, going into it before that. And it was one of the most incredible experiences, if not the most incredible experience I've had on stage. It was just, it's such a great character. It's such a great piece. What they did with it was, was so extraordinary. I felt, um, they really, they really kept, uh, the authenticity of it whilst making it translate to a modern audience. And, um, and touring's hard. I will say that I don't. I don't love touring. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did love sort of the different uh, demographics of each town, and and that was really, really interesting and really healthy for me because I think you can get very tapped into a London audience, and and yes. audiences do change in in different you know different cities. Um, depending on um, how theatrical mm-hmm. those cities are, depending on. How do you know? Just comedy lands differently with different parts of the UK, and it was it was really educational for me. But living out of a suitcase is is hard, and no one's ever gonna lie about that. And also, I've got a little boy and a family, oh, so, so it was being, it was something to yes, make so work. being being away from the home comforts and the family must be quite hard as well. That actually leads me on to one of my questions I had a bit later. Um, was a, that was a nice smooth segue actually because one of the, one of the things that I was going to ask you um Bedknobs and Broomsticks is the second role I've managed to see you performing and the the first one was when you were in Young Frankenstein which which I thought was absolutely uh, hilarious and I I play the uh, the cast recording very often um but of course that started out life in Newcastle if I remember rightly and, and then transferred didn't it so I was I was going to ask you about the kind of differences um between sort of regional audiences and um say in London because I think for me as a fan I love I love seeing tours because just from my point of view, it can be a logistical nightmare trying to uh, get into yeah. London. And, you know, I have to wrestle with the fact that I've only got a certain amount of seats that I can um, sit in and things sure. like that. So, and I think touring can be really good for kind of building word of mouth um, and kind of 
and spreading the word. But I definitely noticed it with bed knobs, just the sense of excitement and sort of camaraderie around this show was really, really special. And I hadn't really noticed um, a reaction quite like it to a touring production before. Oh, that makes oh, me feel a bit teary. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was something very close to our heart, and I I totally see your point. Um, certainly, I mean, I didn't grow up in London, so and um, I I don't have any any difficulty with access to theatre or anything like that. But um, I what I did have was limited resources to get to places like London it's it's yeah. very expensive of to course. travel to London and if you are away to stay over in London yeah. you've got to think about all those things so you know I, I very much thrived on the fact that I lived close enough to Liverpool and Manchester yes. for example um to to get to see a lot of these big tours I think the probably the first time I saw Les Miserables would have been in one of yes. those cats as well and so it is so important. It is so important. Um, I think I I found this one harder because, and I understand completely why, but it was weekly touring. So you don't get to settle anywhere. <laughs> and um, so that I think that's why it was, because I think sometimes when shows go to a theatre for a certain amount of time, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, I think with Beauty and the Beast we did um, – we did two, three months in oh. some venues. You just get, you get to stay and you get to settle and you get to see the city. And so from a really sport little girl point of view, <laughs> that, that was better for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it the, the different theatres, the different sizes of theatres, the different way that theatre was um, embraced by communities um, is, you know, it changes dramatically from place to place. And I imagine you, I, 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 don't, I don't know from your perspective, um, I, I've been trying very much to engage with um, with audience members who may have a, a few more uh, problems with accessible yes. seats in theatre. And, and um, I imagine there's a huge difference from oh, theatre ab- to theatre. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm very lucky where I am in, in Bristol. We have, we have three... Oh. Absolutely wonderful theatres. Um, so we thank you. Oh my goodness! And that oh, was one of our favourite venues. Thank you. So we've got the Hippodrome. That's got that's got four mm-hmm. spaces um, for those that need the accessible seating. If like me, you, you're mm. not able to transfer. And then we've got the Old Vic, um, which I love and adore with every fibre of my, my being. Mm-hmm. That has only got two. And the same with another venue that we have, the Tobacco Factory. So kind of I've noticed as well is um, compared to London, they might have um, slightly less seats, but the demand is higher for for those seats. So you you do get a lot of um, FOMO, shall we say, fear of missing out. And the fact that they... A lot of the um, theatres aren't able to um, let you book your seats online, should we say? So that can be ah. uh, a bit of a pain, spending hours on hold, not knowing if you're going to get a seat or not. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you where one yeah. of my favourites is, and I think you've performed there. Is Chichester the festival that has got yeah. 16, 16 spaces? 
And honestly, when I first heard that, it it blew my mind. And I I understand you get all those conversations about, of course, a lot of these buildings are older and listed and there's certain things Mm -hmm. um, that they aren't going to be able to do. But it it never stops being a... a, um, something that uh causes me a little bit of frustration every now and again i'm not surprised i'm not surprised and the differing uh, things like you say the, the older buildings i i was really impressed actually with um the the welsh i love the millennium, millennium center. center i've got to say because yeah and that's not far, miles away from you um, um and it, well, it is miles but <laughs> yeah. comparatively shall we say um and what i absolutely adored was my dressing room was That's fully brilliant. accessible and it was the first one that I'd been in I think where I actually thought oh good oh wow okay right this is this is an entirely accessible dressing room and we hear a lot about uh, obviously and and and, full, and rightly so, a lot about making sure that the front yeah. of house is accessible. But it was the first time I thought a Absolutely. performer would have yeah. no trouble here at all because I really thought of everywhere I everywhere I looked. I thought, yeah. great, that's amazing. And I just thought I, I I thought that was really something something that um yeah that cheered me. And it, and it <laughs> it cheers me too to hear hear stories like that because um. That, don't get me wrong, there are parts of the industry that are doing absolutely wonderful things. But like like with anything, improvements can all, always be made and we can always be doing better. So that's- exactly. It's nice to know the newer, let's say that's a fairly new building. I remember I remember it just opened when I was doing Cats, which was a very long time ago. Um, and... And that was yes. the new theatre. We were in the old theatre and that was the new theatre. And... Um, so I guess it's good that however many years ago that was, it was being built with perf- that with, with that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Good. Yes, it's all good. good. So it's very good. I want to get back to track a little bit because we you mentioned. Everyone, I know I waffle, don't I? We love I, a waffle. It's all good. It's all good waffle. Um, but I just, I just wanted to kind of pick up on some of your points about um, bed knobs and hmm. the kind of experience. What I loved about okay. it for me personally, I think the film is is um, is up there with my favourites, and it's actually I call it um, one of my favourite kind of underrated gems because not. Not many people yeah. in my circle know about it. You know, when I mention, mm. you know, their favourite Disney films and I bring up bed dumps, I get a, I get a lot of blank uh, blank looks from people. Well, it's not a trendy Disney, is it? It's not one of the trendy Disneys. It's one of the uh, the, the I don't know. Yeah. It's almost cult. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's the word. And um, what I what I loved is how um, has, how to phrase this is how like the the differences they made to the script um, in terms of how mm. mature it was because it actually um, went to some kind of darker places that I wasn't expecting. I um, don't know if mm. you remember, but I, I 
um, tweeted yourself and Charles, um, your co-star, yes. that night because it got to a point in the show that completely changed the arc of the story and it it, it broke my heart. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, was, I, was sat, I was sat there weeping, but then within oh. within the space of a couple of minutes um they met you know they put it back together again and i loved the um new material as well and how it was kind of a homage to the original of course you've got all those incredible songs by the Sherman brothers but we um but there was also some uh, new material as well and i i just think it was really sort of refreshing to see that lovely blend thank you well I mean I say thank you on behalf of the the writers (laughs) because they are very dear to me and um the whole creative team are very dear to me they are wonderful people and and really really have such a belief and such a drive Mm -hmm. with this piece um and Oh gosh! I, in in my head, it's either Brian or Neil, and I can't remember exactly which one had spoken. I believe to a parent about being evacuated. So they came from a very um, personal experience about this thing, and I think that really comes through because, um, without giving too much away, um, because let's hope you know we hope that there's a future life for this. We've, we've all yes. been fairly clear about that. Um, I, they've, they've made it about childhood yes. trauma, which, um, you know, probably always was a little bit, um, but they really, really have gone into that childhood trauma, which became so mm-hmm. painful by, uh, in the last two months because of, of what course. was happening in, uh, in other parts of the world and, uh, and, and that happening in real time, um, to children, um, having to leave yeah. their homes uh, at the last minute and stay with people they'd never met, and and that was the story we were telling. And all of a sudden, while it felt poignant before, it suddenly became horrifically yes. real. Um, and we really struggled with those uh, with those scenes. Yeah. Actually, um, I know that we all had little moments where we struggled with that. Um, but yes, I, I love the new material. I think Brian and Neil are really, really super clever and they have such a love for the Sherman Brothers' work that they seamlessly seem to just write in a way that it, it's, it just blends and, and is so, so very clever. And I think if, if people hadn't, didn't know the songs from the original, they'd find it really difficult to work out which ones were in the original and which ones were. I, mean, I, I had a moment like that, actually. Um, Eglantine has yeah. a number, a step in the right direction, doesn't she? Sort of near the top of, um, of the show, and I, of course, I, I it took me, a, it took me a few minutes, but I was like, they use that melody in the film, don't they? And I, and I, when, they when she, and the song was cut from the film, I believe. So there as we well. go. I've learned something today, and I was like, I was like, that sounds yeah. familiar, and in yes. Um, yeah, so the, the musical, the musical thing is there already. Um, and they've taken it and worked it because, of course, I don't believe. I know that that song was cut, but there's no footage of it. So I imagine they'll piece together be- little bits that they were found. They can find all these little bits. 
yeah I don't think there was I don't think there was anything complete for them to work with um and but, you know uh, there there were plenty of bits that were completely completely new uh so um Amelia's and Eglantine which feels like it's from the show it feels like it's from the film and it's not and it's um yeah, just just such great work. There's such really lovely blokes who've been working on this for such a long time and they're so passionate. And like I say, came from a place of such great heart with it mm-hmm. because it is fun and it is Disney and there is magic oh, yeah. and there's all yes, that. But I think to find the true heart of it, which is why, you know, I know that there's um, there's two schools of thought mostly seem to be in our favour with the ending, but there's plenty of people who were very, very upset by it. Um, and, and I respect that because when I first read that script, my I don't cry at things that easily. I do more as I get older. Uh, that's obviously the hormones. But um, I really don't cry that easily. I don't like it when people try to make me cry in films or shows. I, I can smell it a mile off. I turn off. I'm just like, no. And I was reading this script going, this is great. This is great. Oh, my God. And yeah. I was crying reading it. And my husband was watching me knowing that I'm usually <laughs> slightly dead inside. <laughs> he was quite alarmed. In fact, I don't think he's, I, I can't remember. It's in my head, I probably made this up. He was like, is it dreadful? <laughs> oh, goodness. Like, like they've destroyed your childhood dream or something. And I I couldn't learn the final scenes. Um, every time I tried to learn them, on the because I do I do a lot of um, commuting. I don't live in London, so when I'm rehearsing, I commute into London. Blah blah blah. I come back, so I've got a good hour on the train, and that's when I do my learning so that I don't have to eat into family time. It works out well for me, but I couldn't learn these scenes on the train because oh, every time I started crying, and I was like, "Oh God, what am I going to do? I'm never going to be able to do this scene." Oh, I'm reading crying and um yeah it was it was I had to get over that a little bit because every time I started to speak the word (laughs) and she can't cry no because that's not Eglantine I mean I must admit on the final show I cried and you know why I cried because they they took a prop away from me that I didn't want to be taken away and I got really upset as in as part of the action and I don't want to say what otherwise it gives things away but I got really (laughs) Oh. <laughs> like a child, like a kid. And I, I just think, you know, it's, it's meant an awful yeah. lot to me, that show, I, I, on so many levels. It was the first time I was in something that my kid could really get into, apart from anything. You know, he he really, he's he's a big believer in magic. He's oh, nine. That, that's and, a wonderful age. Um, my my, my um, yeah. nephews are um, kind of similar ages now. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's a beautiful age, and he's quite a young nine, and um, I think a lot of actors' children are because none of us grow up. And I, he came to see it, and he wanted to know how the broom yeah. flies. And and I said, well, how do you think? And he said, well, I think it's rockets. And I was like, okay. And I said, well, you know, it's it's. Or I, maybe I've just learned magic. You know, I did all those rehearsals. So that's what I was doing. And he's like, whoa, okay, well can you show me how to do it? And I said, I can't, um, you're not really old enough. He's like, when will I be old enough? And I said, maybe 13. And he's like, no, but mummy, that's the age of not believing. Oh, bless him. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so to be able to have a dialogue 
with my child about the job that I'm doing is really special as well because he's been to see things. He loved Young Frankenstein. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Particularly <laughs> um, <it's, it's>, <laughs> the monster and the hermit. Um, wasn't quite sure why mummy was singing rude words at the top of the wall. Um, you know, he, yeah. he was happy with it. And um, and he he had a good time at Mama Mia when he was about three. He shouted out oh. everything he saw. Um, but it's the first time that he's that I've been in a show that he can really fully get on board with and understand. So that was and for me. I just want to kind of um, jump on board and say I agree with him in the sense that I was desperate to know how the bed flies. I have no idea how that got pulled off. I was sitting quite quite close to the front and I, I had a feeling to a point where I was like oh it must do and no none of that I literally cannot work out how that worked and that was wonderful just to have yes because it's magic it's because we have two wizards in charge called Jamie yes. Harrison and Chris Fisher yes. and yeah it was just it was just lovely to um what I noticed um from my audience when I went it was quite um there was a lovely mix of um different ages as well so that there's plenty yeah. for the kids to enjoy but there's also a lot of quite grown-up humor as well and uh, I was kind of <laughs> chuckling away at uh, that mostly from Charles Brunton I yes. imagine it's <laughs> um, so naughty um, but no and uh, and it was just the way um just to have that come together and kind of that that kind of shared experience yeah absolutely you know we um I remember looking at once and there was a there was what was clearly a family because they all kept sort of leaning forward and looking at each other on the front row and there was a gentleman who I'm gonna guess he was in his 80s and then he was he obviously had some children some grandchildren grandchildren possibly great-grandchildren they were all in the row in the row and just turning to each other and his was the best face I've ever seen yep. when the bed took off he I I don't know his just his whole world lit up it was wonderful in oh. his face I couldn't I, I I had to stop looking at him because I thought I'm gonna start crying again what the show what's it done oh, to me but no <laughs> it's broken me and um just um the character of Eg- Eglantine as well obviously from the film she's so iconic did that kind of, how did that kind of audition I mean I don't know if you're a is it one of those points where you're like I have to be in the room for that and um or was it uh, kind of um how did it kind of how did the whole thing kind of come about oh gosh well um we it was a, a, a lengthy audition process but only in the fact that it started in November 2020, oh, it must have been when I first did the tape. And then my final audition was in April 21. But I only did wow. three. <laughs> so it was just there was a long space of time before we could actually be in the room because you're absolutely correct. Um, on so many different levels, you can do a tape and get an idea. And so obviously we were like smack bang in the middle of COVID restrictions. So they can whittle down an idea of who potentially could Mm. be right. But then you have to be in the room because you have to be able to work, especially with people like Jamie and Candice and and Neil Battles, the the choreographer. It's all very um, physical stuff. And... um, 
so it's never going to work over Zoom. Um, I mean, we had to do an hour and a half fitness with Neil Beckles just to make sure that everyone, I think, was capable yeah. of doing it. I was having to, I was training by going for runs <laughs> and singing halfway round so that if I could work out, if I could actually sing while doing something intensely physical because, you know, I'm not a dancer. I'd never done anything that required me to sing yeah. and move, really, for any length of time. And um, obviously, Bruce's <laughs> fairly, fairly athletic. So, or at least we mm-hmm. wanted it to be fairly athletic. So, um yeah, it was it was very cool actually the audition process. I sent in a tape. They came back and went, "Lovely, can you not be supreme?" And uh, <laughs> so I gave them it my best nineteen forties look, and probably quite a quite a, a, a slightly maybe more akin to Mary Poppins. I, I don't know. They're two similar but very different people, and um, and so I kind of gave a slightly wilder version, and I had a lovely half hour maybe 40 minutes chat with the the, um the md and the directors before i got into the room for that audition and we talked about the character and it felt like a really grown-up way of doing it because a lot of the time you're guessing and you're kind of guessing and you think well you know i'll give them you until you're what they want but i'm capable of molding myself in a slightly different direction so should I do that should I do this should I make a bold choice should I it's such it's such a guessing game so actually to have the luxury to sit down and discuss what you felt about the character and hear what they felt about it was really a a grown-up thing that I don't want to be rude and it's in no way rude because um uh, musical theatre is very specific in the way that we have three different skill sets, at least, that you have to bring to the to the show. So things have to be done in a certain way. But you usually you don't often get to sit down and have that lengthy chat about character until you're actually in the rehearsal room. Um, to do it for an audition is really special, and that really really helps because obviously you know it, the, yes. it's Angela Lansbury. Oh my god. You know, it's Angela Lansbury and she is a genius and I'm such a massive fan of hers, but I'm not like her. I'm I'm, I'm not like Angela Lansbury, so how on earth am I going to do it? Like, that type of thing. Like, where do I go with this? Although what was hilarious is the amount of people who said, God, you're so like Angela Lansbury. I'm like, well, I don't but thanks, um, <laughs> because that is a dream. Um, so I just to find your perspective a bit and find where you will come from it. And there was a there was a time in rehearsals where she was very northern, oh, oh. actually. Yeah, no, I went for a proper northern Eglantine. In fact, I think I auditioned with a northern Eglantine because, because they wanted me to find something that was grounded and earthy yeah. and rooted. And obviously that's where I'm from. And it got rid of the slight prissiness that I was trying yeah. to put onto it. Eventually, because we had so many regional accents in the piece, they said, yeah, you know that thing where you were northern and and we thought it might sort of make you yeah. a bit othered that because everybody else was from this place and you were other. Now everyone's from everywhere. So actually what might make you stand out, can we try it with more RP? Because I think that that actually might make you stand out more. Because that's another thing I loved about it. They really embrace that whole kind of we're, we're from all over the UK this isn't set in yeah. one specific place because yeah. it isn't he's <laughs> flying a bed everywhere no that's brilliant and um so 
I've gone round in circles, haven't I, again? I will do this to you. Go back. You also um, you mentioned earlier you've been in Beauty and the Beast. You start you started yeah. as Belle, which, from my perspective, is one of my favourite roles for one of my favourite female roles in all of musical theatre. Yeah. What is it about Disney musicals? Do you think that gets everybody talking, gets everybody so excited because they've got fantastic form with um, adapting things for the stage? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, they they are intensely theatrical to start with. You know, um, they t- they tend to lean towards the theatrical. So I think they translate well to stage in a way that something slightly, slightly more uh, on the back foot and gritty, you know, you've got to adapt it in a different way. So you can make a yeah. family musical out of a Disney show and there's plenty of jeopardy there it's everything you need you know usually they kill at least one of the parents yeah, they, both at the beginning um, <laughs> you know they are, they are, a lot of these stories are actually quite dark there's lots of dark things going on aren't they they are they usually they come from intense loss and somebody trying to find themselves and whatever they've lost that they you know and, and that's 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 there you go right straight away that is a great musical right there because out of that kind of struggle comes the opportunity to break out into song because you can't break out into song for no reason. (laughs) You have to be, it has to be a struggle. It has to be reaching for something and and that legitimizes you going into song. Um, And so I think that's, that's probably why they work so well. And Belle, oh my goodness. She's an absolute dream. Um, for me, it was the first time. Again, I loved, I loved the Disney princesses, mm-hmm. all of them. They're all brilliant. But it was the first time I saw one that actually was in charge of her own destiny. Amen. And Amen. That's why I love her too. Yeah. And she reads. And I'm such a bookworm. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, I am Belle. This is great because everyone thinks I'm a bit odd and I read a lot. And, <laughs> you know, and everyone's a bit like, who's that strange girl? Um, you know, and so there were so many, so many things I understood mm-hmm. about that character. I totally understood that character for the first time that I saw that cartoon. And then, so when I got the opportunity to um, audition for it, actually, I've just realised I had the same thing. I was learning the script and somebody I was working with on Taboo, a guy called Andrew, came over and he was like, oh, do you want me to read through it with you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, great, great. And he, he read through it with me and he went, die. can I just, do you, do you mind me saying something? I was like, no, no, no. He said, I just think you're trying to play it like mm-hmm. a princess and I think you should play her more like you and make her more, he was like, because this this girl, she's she's not a, she's not a princess. She's totally ballsy. And I think that you need to, he was like, which is you. So go and play it like you. Don't try and make her pretty, pretty, pretty. And I was like, oh, so it's exactly the same thing. I think that maybe my brain goes to a place of, oh, they're going to want, they're going to want a Disney princess. Mm -hmm. I better be princessy. And actually that's not going to work for me. And that's not going to work for the characters that I'm right for because Belle and Eglantine are very similar. So cool. They're very similar people, I think. Um, everyone thinks they're a bit weird, and they're smart. <laughs> great, great, great qualities, I say. Great qualities in, in... in. I agree. And the fact that I've decided that I'm also oh. smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's just amusement. 
yeah, I, I, it was. It's it's a funny one, and um, and since then, of course, we've had some wonderful female characters yes. coming out of Disney, um, haven't we? I will. I will Belle. say Nala is one of my favourites. Um, I love. Yeah. I love Belle as she is in the show, and Beauty and the Beast will always be special to me because it was the first show I saw in the West End. I think. Yeah, I think was it was. Really? Um, I think it was um, before you. Um, of course, yeah. No, I I joined the oh, when they took it out. The so it's my um yeah, yeah. I was I think I can't remember whether it was ninety seven or ninety eight. I saw. I want to say it would have been ninety seven. So I would have been seven years old at the time. Oh, and I, and you remember? And I remember. It. I just love the special effects and the just everything yeah. about it. I just I loved. Oh, it's yeah. a beautiful show. I mean, there's no denying it. It is a really stunning show. And I don't think I ever went on that stage and didn't have the most wonderful time. I mean, it's, it's funny. I always say, and this is my favourite job, and this is my favourite job. They, and I've just been really lucky, I think, to play characters that I I could never get mm-hmm. bored of playing. And that's that's uh, lovely yeah. to hear as well. And that leads me nice, nice. That's another lovely segue um, so um, <laughs> if I if I correct me if I'm wrong, but you you um so you started your career in one of my all time favourite shows, Les Mis, and you've gone on to be in a lot of sort of shall we say sort of well established uh, sort of familiar favourites. So we've got Wicked, Cats, and Mia. Um, but you're also um, what I love about you and your career is that you're also open to. Um, Sort of new musicals, and you've done you've done plays as well, like the Thirty Nine Steps, um, as well as work on screen. Mm. Do you kind of look for that variety as an as an actress and a performer? Is that something you? Would, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, do you kind of is it yes, a choice? Yes. Maybe. Um, I would love to say that I have made deliberate choices about those kind of things. But the reality of the industry is that you, we want to work. And so I've always said I want to try everything. I want to, you know, I've, uh, musical theatre was what got me into mm-hmm. wanting to do this. It was absolutely 100%. It was Les Mis. That's what want, I, I wanted to just go to drama college and be in Les Mis, and I would have been totally happy with that. That would have been fulfilled and um and obviously along the way I picked up some more aspirations than that that was the driving force um and and yes I think as I progressed and did more stuff especially stuff that was more scripted and not sung through um I started to develop this kind of little thing going I'd really like to do something where I don't sing because at the beginning of my career, I was very, very much and very happy to be pigeonholed mm-hmm. as a singer. And well, I certainly <laughs> wasn't a dancer. Uh, <laughs> and so, and, and a lot of things were sung through. So nobody ever considered that I might be able to speak. And um, so I, and I'm not sure I could actually. I've heard some <laughs> stuff back from- <laughs> when I was younger where I'm doing dialogue and it's dreadful. Um, so I I started to tentatively work on dialogue and and really worked on that. And Thirty Nine Steps was my first play, and it really very much happened 
because of Wicked, I believe, um, because of that character, they would and and the profile that Glinda brings. Um, Thirty Nine Steps came knocking and said, "Would she be interested in, in auditioning for this?" And it was the first time anybody had taken me seriously for a play, and so it was a little bit of a, "I'm gonna do this because then no one can say." ever again <laughs> that yeah. I can't do script you know <laughs> so um so it, yeah I, I would have I'd love to have made some educated choices and said no this year I'm only doing plays and no I, I and now I'm going to work on my screen but for me I just I love working and I love working in all the different forms and when things come along at the right time I have to believe that the universe brings them at the right time. Otherwise you drive yourself mad. So more recently during the pandemic, which was awful for everybody, um, out of that, I, I found myself out of work for a period of time, which allowed me to tape for some screen stuff, which meant that I got my first telephone. And, you know, and so for me, and I was so exciting because mm-hmm. I'd done nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, I was off, I, I didn't. I was, I was in a couple of films. I say nothing, but you know, the Wolfman was as an opera singer, and in Les Mis, it was as a whore <laughs> in the Thenardier. You know, and both of them, both of them, brilliant experiences and so mm-hmm. fantastic. But it, but it's not an. It's not necessarily a a role which requires me to be a screen actor necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually do some screen work has been thrilling for me utterly thrilling so yeah I'd like to do a bit of everything but what I do is I take whatever comes my way and if it's a play brilliant and if it's a musical excellent I love them (laughs) if it's screen work then I will be terrified and throw myself into that I think that's a great philosophy to have is to just try 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 everything and I think for me yeah try otherwise you won't know you just won't know if you can do it and uh, it it really is that uh, that old feel feel the fear and do it anyway because you know along with a a lot of performers we have terrible imposter syndrome and and, and terrible anxiety around and we're constantly telling ourselves that we're going to get found out at any moment that we're not actually um any good at what we do and we'll suddenly realize um and so so when something's new and out of your comfort zone, I think that's mm-hmm. when you've got to try it and and just be terrified and try it because what's the worst thing that can happen? Really, you just you feel a bit yeah, silly from no, it, <laughs> and usually, yeah, no, usually it's fine. Yeah. Usually it's fine. It's just yeah, it's just being yeah. brave in the first place. And also, I think too much planning. I mean, you can have a plan, and you could go, "I'd like to do that," and I'd like to work mm-hmm. towards doing that. But um, I think we a lot of a lot of the time. Um, if you get too bogged down in, right, I must mm-hmm. do plays this year or I must do screen this year, if that doesn't happen, it can happen for multitude of reasons and nothing to do with you, just the opportunities not being there, your CV not being quite right for it, all that kind of thing. It can make you terribly depressed um, and also make, make, might mean yeah. you're out of work for a whole year, do you know what I mean? So I just think let let the universe yeah. bring what it brings. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so that that was again one of my other questions that I had. the The industry is um, thankfully getting back on 
to its feet after um after yes. um the pandemic and um and I just wonder kind of how has it changed has it changed the way you look at the industry or how you approach things? Mm, yeah, it has. Um number one, if I ever find myself getting annoyed at a lengthy rehearsal where I feel like, um, you know, we all have it. It would be not human if some of the downtime in rehearsals was like, oh, oh yeah, it'd be weird if we weren't. And um, so it really has helped me to focus my mind of remember that time. Remember that time when you weren't sat waiting to start your rehearsal for two hours because there was no mm-hmm. rehearsal to start. And I've really tried to hang on to that. I'm not saying that it's always there, but I've really tried to hang on to that because it was a truly awful time and um, and it made me realise how utterly grateful and how very much part of me it is now. I've been doing this since, um, God, it's 25 years or so. <laughs> um, it's a long time to be doing the same thing and to have it suddenly taken away from you when it's very much part of you um, is is re- is really really horrible and i imagine that's the same across the board for anybody who does anything that they love so it's not just a, an industry thing um what else i i think it's made me braver because i've again realized that there's always a slight fear of failure and a that, that can hold you back and it's absolutely pointless because again, when when there's nothing there, uh, you suddenly realise that all those silly insecurities that you had were so pointless, just absolutely pointless. Um, and I think it's also I'm I'm making better choices. I think in my personal life um, to make sure that I. I, I I'm I'm terrible for panicking about what the next job might be and should we but should we go on holiday because you know I might not be out of work for blah 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 and all that kind of thing and I think from that point of view I've started to be a little bit more um, impulsive when it comes to doing stuff outside yeah. of theatre. I'm also going to go and watch more shows and I'm terrible. I'm terrible, 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 lazy person who doesn't go and watch shows. And part of it is because when I'm working, I haven't got time. And when I'm not working, I don't want to go and sit in a theatre. And that's awful. So I go and see things when my friends are in them. And luckily I've got a lot of friends who are doing lots of theatre. So I do go and see theatre. But now I'm making a conscious effort to go and see things just to go and see things. Just for the sheer joy of being in the room again. Exactly. Because, because again, until something is taken away from you, you don't know mm. how much it means. And all of a sudden, the fact that mm. you couldn't go. For some people, it might have been you couldn't go on holiday and all of a sudden they realised how much they really wanted to go on holiday and see the world. And for me, very much, I realise how mm-hmm. much I love theatre and and I do mm-hmm. want to go and watch things. You just assume yeah, it's no, always going to be there. I, I, I'll echo that. I mean, I mean it was nowhere near as dif- as difficult for me as it would have been for the likes of yourselves and other people in the industry but theatre for me is where I found my tribe and my my people that yeah you know my people that I love and people that I love going to support so to kind of be away from that took a real t- 
real toll on me mentally. Um, of course it did. And, and I'd say yeah. no less than people. I mean, obviously, financially, it's, it's, it's a different consideration. But a lot of actors talk about finding their tribe in, in theatre and whether it's watching mm-hmm. it or being in it. If that is where you feel comfortable, if that is where you find your joy, that's yes. the most important thing. And, yeah, so I, I don't think it's, it's any less at all. I think, if anything, we f- as performers forget about that joy. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard, for hard for everyone, but it's good, it's good that we're it's coming back. It's Isn't wonderful it? that it's... We're doing so well. Everyone's doing so well. And so producers have worked so hard. Producers get a bad rep, you know, they do. And there are some extraordinary producers out there who are who are so brave and so committed and driven to get things yeah. back. And I think we, you know, we should shout Absolutely. out for the, and or, for the good also, ones. And also as well, those <laughs> that were able to adapt the way that they were working because it was horrible for a while but the yeah. amount of incredible content and incredible shows and concerts I was able to watch online from home it gave it, it, oh, it was wonderful it was wonderful I personally watched loads of the oh, National Theatre stuff I've been meaning to get the um the at home for ages because there's it was such a good thing because, again, I was just like, this is all the stuff that I missed because I was too busy being busy. No, I've missed a lot, of, a lot of their work too. I've only, I've only managed, I, I say I've only managed, but I've, um, I've only, I'd, I'd love to go to the National more. Um, and there are lots of, yeah. lots of other theatres that I haven't uh, visited yet. So I think um what it's taught me is kind of being away from it is just to be more open to new things and to kind of just go oh. and um, go and support it as much as you can and hold on to the mm. thing that, that um, brings you joy. That's what I learned. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's a, it's a great attitude to have. I love the idea of it making people more open yeah. to new stuff. Yeah. Oh, Def- definitely yeah. has, I know, but bef- before I was one of those theatre goers that, um, because of what we kind of said at the top of the episode and like all the logistical problems that I have, I don't always mm-hmm. get along to support new work as much as I, w- I would love to. So, um, but it's taught me to kind of be a bit more um, conscious in my efforts. Do you think, actually, about that, um, something that I noticed and something that positive that did come out of everyone being at home and engaging on social media in particular was that I feel like um, everyone was available and listening for people to talk about different things. Um, And certainly one thing that has been at the forefront, certainly in my little social media bubble, is accessibility mm-hmm. in theatres. And because everyone was at home, they could talk about it and they could listen. And um, do, you, do you think that people are listening oh, de- more? Def- definitely. I mean, I, I know there's um, – I have a couple of um, um, folks on, on my Twitter that are um, fierce advocates for um, improving accessibility. And I, and I am too, but yes. I – 
I don't necessarily have the the sort of um, the the size of the platform that they do, and it was it was really hard. Yeah. It's been really heartening to see kind of these conversations becoming more sort of frequent. And yeah. like you say, every, um, everybody's was available and kind of open to it. So it's been really it's been really heartening to see things happen. And I, I know, like with anything, change, change is slow. Um, yes, I hope it translates into actual real things that we can see yes. <laughs> because, you know, discussion yes. is wonderful. Um, I just wondered if you if you had had more engagement from theatres, um, if you'd seen any more engagement from theatres, are they, are they, are they listening? <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> um, I, I haven't had any personally, but I, I am aware of um, some stuff going on because um, um, right. it's, it's been really good. Like you say, conversation is wonderful, but it's just yeah. the start, isn't it? And it's whether it translates. It is. It is, but there are more people yeah. to listen. And that's what I found really fascinating because if if we can see any kind of positive in in the world stopping that people were actually you know yeah. engaged in some fairly heated and yeah. varied yeah. debates over the last two years <laughs> but um no we we love we love a heated debate i'm going to yeah um, absolutely yeah so and it like we say it's just been wonderful to get back to doing what we love and um yeah I know it's, um, it is wonderful. Enjoy. It's so good. Um, so one of the one of the other things that I absolutely um, wanted to mention and, and talk to you about is um, you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you have been in the workshop for one of my all time favorite musicals, um, for, um, and got to sing my favorite song or one of my favorite songs from the score, um, Doctor Zhivago. Have I got that right? Goodness! Do, do you know it's so I long know. ago? <laughs> I can't um, um, anyway, um, you, you um, were kind of um, playing Tonya, and Tonya has one of my favourite moments. Um, and I just wanted, yes. I noticed that you've been in a lot of workshops throughout your, the course of yeah. your career, varied and wonderful as it has been. And I just wonder what that process is like, um, just from my own kind of perspective. Oh. For my own education, really, because it fascinates it fascinates oh. me. Well, they're all massively yeah. different, to be honest. I mean, they can be two days, or they can be two weeks. Sometimes three weeks, sometimes four. Yeah. Um, the ones that I've done have tended to be. Um, I think the shortest I've done wow. is two days. The longest right. I've done is two weeks, and that would be probably Love Never Dies was two weeks. Um, I think. Yeah, Dr. Chivago was about four or five days or something like that. They and they vary very much in their in their purpose because sometimes mm-hmm. there's been three workshops already where they've built the script and they've built everything and they just want people who can read music to come in and interpret it and put it in front of um, right. investors. That can be that can be yeah. one version of it. Um, some of them don't have any kind of showing. Um, and are just very much like grassroots. They, they, they've got an idea and they want to get people to throw it in. I've, I've done some national theatre ones that are a bit more like yeah. that, where where they're really still developing it. They've got a few scenes, yeah. that type of thing, and that's really fun. Um, 
I did one, which I can't <laughs> say what it is, but it was really inventive. Um, uh, just before I started um, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, actually, and with crazy brilliant people. And it was the most off-the-wall idea, and I really hope it happens. And if it does, I'll then <laughs> I'll text you and I'll tell you. That sounds very exciting. Oh, it's so fabulous. And um, and that was that was really developing it from the bare bones of a script and ideas yeah. of music. And yet, in about four days, we managed to put on 30 yeah. minutes of the material film for some pretty extraordinary people and send it off so you know it can wow. be that quick um yeah it's it's it depends it, it fully depends it depends what that what stage they're at um um and and what their purpose is is it to develop it is it to get investors that kind of thing so they're all brilliant I love doing workshops I love it apart from anything you know, for example, uh, Love Never Dies. There was no way yeah. in any of anybody's universe I'm ever going to be playing Meg because I can't dance. And, <laughs> and, um, and there was no way, you know, I was going to be kicking my leg um, with nipple tassels on. Um, uh, so by any stretch of the imagination, they'd have had to completely rewrite the part. But it did give me an opportunity to, to work with material on a role that I would never, ever play in real life and I knew that from almost from the minute I started um in fact I remember going this is this is a role for like no summer Australian or something <laughs> you know so you can actually fulfill the, the needs of this part and funnily enough I should I should be cast director um but yeah it was wonderful because I was just exploring the this the sort of um the kind of breakdown side of it I I really I really enjoyed that. Um, and so a lot of the time you get to play roles that yes. you would never play um, and, you know, just, just toy around with where you can push yourself. Um, and uh, well, some of the more fun ones are actually when you're called in to play a multiple multitude of roles and you don't know which role you're going to be playing until you turn off. I guess that means you have to kind of learn everything then, like, yeah, sure. You just sort of turn up and, and then they get, sometimes they really? don't give you the script and you walk in because it's, wow. a lot of them are the top secret. And so, you know, they'll be like, here's Wait. your script and can you can you play that part, please? And you're like, okay. All right, so you can't do any prep, which is great for lazy people like me. <laughs> but also, you know what? It does help. And, and this is something that I will say. Um, it helps me because I... I rely on the fact that I can, I read music saying that in one workshop where it worked like that. And I turned up and I was like, thank God I read music because, um, because if I didn't, I don't know how I'd be able to, you know, keep up with this. There were people there who didn't read music who have just developed the most incredible ear. So they hear something played once and they've learned it. And, you know, we, we all just have our own ways of doing things. So, yeah. My my little my little crotch is is to is to stick to the dots yeah. on the page, which can go against you if you've got to interpret things. And I got I got to say, doing something like that would petrify me because I I'm a big I'm a big planner. I like prepping, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not um kind of spot um spontaneous in that way. Um, kind of. You know, I mean, do you know? I would have said I wasn't, but I, there is something. I, that I've realised as, as as I got older, I just I feel like 
actually it takes away some fear mm-hmm. from me because I think that I have a fear of being underprepared. So whenever I work with students, I always say, you cannot prepare enough. You cannot be too prepared. You have to know everything. You have to have researched it. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, you know, if you're going to sing a song from a show, please, please know where it comes in the show and why that character sing it. You know, just basic stuff that sometimes people don't do. And, um, you know, and it's, 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 it's inexperience, not not lack of, of knowledge. Um, and And yet... It's it, it puts a fear in me that I didn't do enough. Maybe I didn't learn enough. Maybe I, di- I didn't look at it. I didn't research it enough. What if I didn't do this? And actually, if they don't give you the script or you turn up on the first day, it's incredibly <laughs> liberating. I couldn't have done anything. There's nothing no, I could have done. No, you put it so, like that. That actually sounds like a better better way of doing it. It's a bit more of a went off the <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would you know, have I, have I interpreted that scene every way that I can? And, you know, have I, exactly what you said about the research yeah. and the character. And, yeah. Yeah. Drive yourself mm-hmm. completely mad. Whereas if everyone's on a level playing field, they've all turned up and nobody's seen it till the first day. It's a bit like, yeah. oh, okay. And, then. and just being able to, <laughs> being able to play um, in that sense. Um, it's really, really yes, fun. And, and not have any kind of preconceived notions and, 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 and no, no external pressure on yourself. You know the silly pressure that we put on ourselves to, to um, worrying the preparation. The pencil sharpened in my bag. <laughs> so that leads me kind of smoothly. I get we we're talking um, just then about roles that you wouldn't you you would wouldn't necessarily ever get to play. It you probably get asked this a lot. Is there a role that you would like to or? Um, or a composer that you love and you'd love to be able to sing their music anything like that yeah of course I mean I will always say this because it's just not worked out this way but when I started at the beginning of my career I didn't a a lot well at college we did a lot of Sondime and one of my first jobs was a Sondime at the Bridewell and I haven't done any since then it's been a really long time um, since I've actually done a Sondime and so I would love if the opportunity arose to do more of that Um, because like all of us, I'm sure, I'm a huge fan of Sondheim and it is a gift to an an actor. Um, The acting through song gift there, it's it's just all there for you. You sing it and in in the rhythm that he wrote it (laughs) and it works. And so I've always loved that. So, yeah, and what's great about Sondheim is that I don't feel there's a, there's, you know, there's some things that I feel like, you know, it's a shame that I didn't get to do that when I was in my 20s or when I was in my 30s because I'm a bit old for it. And yeah, whereas with Sondheim, some of his most gem of female roles are for the more mature performer. And so that is so exciting because. You know, I might not be a Cinderella anymore, <laughs> but there's plenty there, and it's actually juiciest of his stuff. So, and I, yeah, I would say was- I'm going to go. At, uh, I'd be manifesting that for you as well because I am a huge Sometimes fan, and I haven't seen oh. nearly um, enough of his work that I would like to. So, I would. No. Um, I'd join you there. Um, because, Absolutely. Because oh, his, it's always my answer, and it will continue to be my answer <laughs> until someone gives me a well, job. Yeah. Um, no. so, um, 
<laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, I join you there. Um, and we'll be, I'll, I'll manifest it for you. We'll see. We'll, 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 we're putting it out into, into the universe. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. More, more sometime, please. That'd be really nice. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, you know what, when it's the right time, when it's the right time and the right one, yes. it will come along. Yes. That's what I feel. Um, just to wrap up as well, because I, I know we said all um, about an hour, and I again, we don't, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, you oh, I'm good at just you touched on, a, um, on it a little bit earlier, but have you got anything in the pipeline you might be able to share with the my lovely listeners out there? No, no. You know what? I'm I'm <laughs> along with everybody else. I'm auditioning um, for lots of different types of things. Um, which is lovely. We love to hear um, that. We love to hear that auditions yeah, are happening. You know, absolutely, yeah. they are. Um, so the, there's things, there's things yes. around. Um, it will need to be something really, uh, really special because I feel, I feel so honoured and 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 so fulfilled by having done what I've just done. <laughs> Um, that it's all, everything seems to pale in comparison. Um, but you know, um, and, and, and as I've said, I, I strongly hope and believe for a future life, uh, whenever that might be. I know there's um, been a, the, the, I have no I'm not being cagey. I have no, no, no information on that, but I just have this feeling, I just have this feeling that it's not, it, that, that it's too yeah. special to let go. Um, because yeah, I know and, that there's been a and, massive kind of Twitter campaign for a cast recording as well. I know. Well, I think honestly, they're not going to do that until, until, until we it, know what's it, happening it, with it. But um, exactly, exactly, because they would they would probably want to yeah, coincide course, the two. That, that would be the smart thing. Yeah, of course it would. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, that and done some self taping for some nice things, some nice little screen things. So it's lovely yes. that they're coming in um, because there was a long time when I just didn't get um, self tapes for screen things, um, and it's helped having managed to nab myself a little Holby and a little ITV thing last uh, last couple of years. So um, so what, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Then? Yeah, who knows what will come along, and I'm going to go on holiday. Um, I'm going to do that and go and visit my oh. family a lot, and I th- and also I just want to be around mm-hmm. my little boy for a bit because you know what, he's nine and he put up with me being away for nine months of his life, long time, which is a yes. long time. Of his little lifetime, <laughs> that's a really big portion of his life that mummy was not there to put into bed at all or yeah. wake him up in the morning so yeah so that's kind of my my little goal for now is not to rush into anything but obviously if something brilliant, brilliant. Comes along, I'll do it. <laughs> and, uh, thanks ever so much for coming on it's been a joy to chat to you I must say I must say I, I was quite you. I was quite nervous because you and I um as yet we haven't had the um pleasure of meeting in person um, no, I know. A dear friend of mine is also a friend of yours, and he he contacted you and said, "Would you mind being on Kerry's podcast?" 
kind enough to uh, put the wheels in motion and get us talking. So, um, oh, he's adorable. And you know what? I, I immediately I was like, I know, I know, I know, Kerry, because um, I loved that you did a write up on the show, and it was. Really oh, insightful, and and, and we and we, we really liked oh, it. Thank you. So, so absolutely, I shall so, chat. No, it's, it's been <laughs> lovely to have you. And who knows, maybe further down thank the line, um, we'll have you on again when um, we can have um, and we all know we've got all the ducks, the ducks in a row, and we know what's going on. Lovely absolutely. to chat. Absolutely, lovely to chat, Diane. Take care. Bye. And you too. Take care yourself. Bye.